It's a dangerous business, Frodo, going out your door. You step onto the road, and if you don't keep your feet, there's no knowing where you'll be swept off to. That's what Gandalf the Grey told Frodo Baggins at the beginning of their adventure. Have you ever felt like life is like that road? Like you've been swept away, you don't know where you're going, you don't know where to put your feet to hold on? Well, that's what we're here for today. We're here to talk about the Wildwood, where all the crazy things happen, where all the wild stuff happens, and you just don't know which direction to go. Today, I'm going to bring you some words from the Wildwood that'll help you keep your feet. Welcome back to our podcast today. You know, I can't believe we've been going through the book of Ecclesiastes and we're down to the last few chapters, down to the last few thoughts Solomon recorded before the end of his life about what he thought, what he felt, how he saw it. Many of us have identified with Solomon, with his sense of despair, his sense of loss. Many people come to a part in life or an age in life when they just feel like it's over. They, they don't have anything left. But then I turn around and I look. It's Christmas time, everybody. November has finished up. It is December. We are coming to the end of another year, another year that God has given us. You know, it's this time of year, it's at this time that our thoughts turn to Christmas. And when they turn to Christmas, they think about the food, the music, the family, all those people that we spent those years, those decades with, and it fills us with such joy and such wonder. You know, when we think about the past, we think about the old Christmas songs, Bing Crosby and people like that. Or I think about old movies like It's a Wonderful Life. In that story, George Bailey is just a simple man, but they call him the wealthiest or the richest man in town. Why? Because he has money? No, but because he has a spirit of generosity. He has a spirit of love for his community, for his family, for his people. No matter what happens, George Bailey tries not to get down. And when he starts to despair, he is given a chance to look back over his life and see that many great things have happened. And I think the same thing could be said for all of us. The same thing could have been said for Solomon if he had stopped and looked back appropriately. But you know what? We all want to have a wonderful life like the character George Bailey. We all want to have that sense of wonder restored. And you know what? Solomon's going to tell us how to do that. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 is going to tell us how to have a wonderful life. And he's going to tell us that by telling us that we must invest in a generous life. Now, the word generous is a wonderful word, can be a scary word, depending on how you look at it. But generous people, generous spirits are the hallmark of this time of year. And I hope that we can today, as we go through the Word of God, recapture that sense of generosity, that sense of wonder, that sense that God has given us so much in the gift of His Son, Jesus, that we have so much to give away to the world. So what does Solomon tells us? He tells that there are three actions that we must take to create a generous life. Now that's right. I said you create a generous life. You see, you must generate that love, that generosity, that gratitude to God that spills over to all the people who are around you. What are the first of these actions? Well, it's simple. 
Be generous with your resources. Ecclesiastes 11, verse 1. Send your bread on the surface of the waters, for after many days you may find it. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you don't know what disasters may happen on the earth. We have seen a great many disasters this year, all the way around the world, so many lives impacted, and we've seen such acts of generosity by people, by groups, by nations to step into all of these harmful situations, these war zones, and to try to make a difference in the lives of our fellow human beings. Look at verse 3. If the clouds are full They will pour out rain on the earth, and whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. Think about it. When your life is full of gratitude and joy and grace and mercy, how can you help but pour that out on the people who are around you? As your blessings go out, whether it's upon family or friends, churches, organizations, that's where your blessing is going to go out into the world. Look at verse 4. One who catches the wind will not sow. One who looks at the clouds will not reap. Let me read that again. One who watches the wind will not sow. If you get occupied with what's happening out there, You won't do anything about it. And the one who looks at the clouds will not reap. If you let your imagination drift off into thinking about what could be, what should be, what you wish it was, you miss the opportunity to be involved in what's happening right here on the earth today. Consider this, Deuteronomy 15, 7-11. A little bit of a long verse, but just stay with me for a while. If among you one of your brothers should become poor in any of your towns within the land that Yahweh your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother, but you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. Take care lest there be an unworthy thought in your heart, and you say, Oh, the seventh year, the year of release is near, and your eye look grudgingly on your poor brother, and you give him nothing, and he cries out to Yahweh against you, and you be guilty of sin. You shall give to him freely, and your heart shall not be grudging when you give to him, because for this Yahweh your God will bless you in all your work and in all that you undertake, for there will never cease to be poor in your land. Therefore I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy, and to the poor in your land. Solomon was the king of the greatest portion in Israel's history. Israel became its powerful, most powerful, it's at its zenith when he is the king. They have more ships, more people, more armies, more troops, more wealth. And they had so much that they could give to others. Now, the seventh year they're talking about there is when you lend somebody something, after seven years, give it back. You know, release it from debt. Release the person from debt. And some people go, oh, no, the seventh year is coming, and I'm supposed to release the debt. Oh, I don't want to give anybody anything, or they'll get to keep it, and I won't get it back. No, don't be stingy. Everything you have has come from God. Every blessing you have, your mind, your ability to work, 
your skills, your talents, all of that is from God. And you can give that back because everything you give away, the Lord will pour back into your life. We see throughout the New Testament that God continually says, hey, I gave you these gifts and with these gifts, you can bless the church, bless your brothers, bless your community. And when you do that, you're pouring out everything that God has given you. He has room to pour back in more stuff, more blessings, more greatness. Consider Proverbs 11, 24 through 26. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and the one who waters will himself be watered. Meaning, if you're giving out what people need, if you're giving out that blessing. The people curse him who holds back grain, but a blessing is on the head of him who sells it. Uh, referring to a time of famine. And the person says, oh no, I have this great uh, reservoir of, of wealth and of grain and, and foods, and I'm going to keep it for myself because if I give it away, I may not have any more. No, God will always give. That's why he said the Lord loves a cheerful giver. We give because God has given to us. So if you want to have that wonderful life, that George Bailey life, that exuberant life that's full of energy and power and strength, give it away. Give away your joy. Give away your happiness. Give away your energy and service. Um, be, be to other people a light in the darkness. Be to them a shoulder to lean on. Be to other people what they need. And when you need it, it will be there. That's what it says. If it goes out in the waters, it'll come right back to you. And God always does that. The Lord always gives you what you need in order for you to pass it on to other people. So the very first thing that we see right here, you must be generous with your resources. God's given you those resources for a reason so they can be used and they can be a blessing to others. The second activity here is this. Be active in what God calls you to do. Whatever God has called you to do. Maybe your whole job is to be a Sunday school teacher. Or maybe you're going to be a member of the choir. Or maybe you're going to be a happy hands worker. Someone who goes and does odd jobs for single moms or for, for people who are in need of, of home repairs or, or work around the house. If you can do anything, then you, you can give that in the name of the Lord, and that Lord will just multiply and bless everything that you do. You all have talents. I have talents. I have abilities. And I have to give them away so that they can be replaced and strengthened and blessed by what God does with them. You never know who you're going to touch. A smile, a comforting hand on the shoulder. You never know how you're going to change someone's life. But if you're always staying back, always staying to yourself, always shunning the, the, the opportunity to be with people, then you never know how much impact you can have in other people's lives. You just don't know. So you have to be active in what God calls you to do. Consider this, Ecclesiastes 11.5. Just as you don't know the path of the wind or how bones develop in the womb of a pregnant woman, so you don't know the work of God who makes everything. You see, God may put you in a situation, in a place to do something, to say something, to minister some word or, or deed, 
and you don't really understand why you're in that situation until much later you look back and you see that God used you in that moment to do something for his kingdom in the life of somebody else. You may not profit from it, but other people will, and God will be blessed because of your activities. Look at verse 6. In the morning, sow your seed, and at evening, do not let your hands rest. By that, he means don't, don't cease to be active. Now, you, of course, have to rest. You have to get your eight-hour sleep. You have to do all those things that are necessary to support the body. But in those days, wealthy people would lay around all day long doing absolutely nothing but being fed by others, being taken care of by others. And at the end of the day, they would complain, oh, I'm so tired from my daily activities of being pampered. And it just didn't make any sense that people could think in that way. So in the morning, sow your seed, and at evening, do not let your hand rest, because you don't know which will succeed. You don't know where God is going to use you to bless. You may think, oh, he's going to use my, my work at church as a greeter, as a deacon. But actually, it may be just in being around people that you know, that you grew up with, you may be able to say a word or minister an activity or, or an event and do something in the name of Christ that will make a difference in people's lives. You just don't know where the blessing comes from, and you don't have to know. You just be faithful to stay busy. So he says, you don't know which will succeed, whether one or the other, or if both of them will be equally good. Yeah, sometimes God gives you multiple talents, and you have multiple impacts. Verse 7 is interesting. Light is sweet, and it is pleasing for the eyes to see the sun. So while you can still see the goodness of the day, the sunlight, the, the beauty on the water of, of watching a, a sun uh, rise or set, it is amazing. You don't know where that blessing will come from, but look for it. Look for it to be there. Consider Mark 4, 26-29. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. We, farmers in those days didn't know anything about agriculture. They knew how to sow seeds. They know how to reap harvests, but they didn't know the mechanics of agriculture. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear, and when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. You see, that's it. That's just us being faithful to do what we do. If the farmer doesn't sow, if the farmer doesn't water, if the farmer doesn't fertilize, nothing happens. Nothing grows. But if the farmer is faithful to do his part, the earth and the seed will do the rest. And that's what he's trying to tell them. They all know that, hey, you know, I plant potatoes. And when you plant potatoes, you plant them under the ground. And you know what? You don't know what's growing under the ground until you dig those potatoes up in time, in its season. You put in the fork and you start to turn and there's the potatoes. But you don't know that until it is time to reap the harvest or to dig up the potatoes. But we have to have faith that the, that the seed is doing what the seed is supposed to do. The earth is doing what the earth is supposed to do. And if we go out there and share the seed of the gospel... Tell people who Christ is. Tell them what he has done for us. Tell them how he has saved us and that he's coming again. We can't see every impact of what we do, but one day we will know because Christ will make it evident to us 
what was the impact of our ministry. And I think that is fantastic. Uh, I, don't, I don't, I'm not particularly looking forward to knowing if, if my ministry had any impact or not, but I, I would like to think that somewhere out there, someone is hearing the word of God and it's helping them grow. It's helping them understand so they can serve Christ better. And that, that would make, that would make my whole life worthwhile right there. If one person somewhere got a hold of these gospel precepts of, of understanding who God is, what his grace is, what his mercy is, and they would go out there and do the same, that would be fantastic. I can't touch people in Russia or, or somewhere in Turkey or somewhere in India. I can't go out there myself and do it. But I pray that someone who is touched by these words can go out there in the spirit of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit and do that work in their own community. Consider Hosea 10, 12. Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap steadfast love. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek Yahweh, that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. So he's saying to this, hey, go out there like the faithful farmer, put in the turning fork and turn the ground, break up the fallow or the resting ground. Sometimes when we simply speak the word of God, we stir something up. We, we shake it up a little bit. They may not know that that's the word of God. They may not have ever heard the truth. But once we start turning the ground, planting the seed, then the Holy Spirit has room to work and we can see a huge harvest for the kingdom of God done simply because we were part of the process. We don't cause the growth. We just, as Paul said, we sow and we water and then we let the Holy Spirit reap the harvest. Amen. Amen. Last thing I want you to see, last important point, you must be cautious with the choices that you make. You have to be cautious about the choices you make. You're going to invest your life in something. That is a given. I work in a university. People invest their lives, years of their lives, in learning certain skills and abilities and, and sciences. And they, they go out there and they invest in this and they study it. Then when they leave, they get to take that knowledge with them, go out there and do something that their heart desires to do with that knowledge, with that education. Ecclesiastes 11.8. Are you ready? Indeed, if a man lives many years, let him rejoice in them all and let him remember the days of darkness since they will be many. The days of darkness, of course, are speaking of old age. We're going to get into this a lot more in chapter 12 as we finish up Ecclesiastes next week. But the days of darkness are days of illness, days of sickness, days of age. When your, your back becomes weak and your sight's not so good and your hands aren't as strong as they used to be in, those are the days I live in right now. I don't consider them dark days, but I, I do see the... Um, the challenges of getting older and, and not being as physically strong or as motivated as I used to be uh, simply because I just get tired. But you know what? I praise God I can still serve him even in the condition I'm in. So let him rejoice in all those days and let him remember the days of darkness since they will be many. All that comes is futile. So basically the human existence, um, 
We, we're not going to stay young forever. We're not going to stay powerful forever. But we don't have to be because we have a Christ who went away and said, if I go away, I will come back and I will get you that where I am, there you can be also. So I'm not planning on living on this earth forever. I'm planning on going home with my Savior one day when he is done with the work he has for me to do. Verse 9, rejoice, young men. He says this, while you are young, and let your heart be glad in the days of your youth, and walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things God will bring you to judgment. Remove sorrow from your heart and put away pain from your flesh, because youth and the prime of life are fleeting. This is Solomon once again reflecting on where he is in life. He's not the young powerful, dynamic, uh, wisdom-speaking warrior that he was in his youth. He's older now, and, and his back's a little bowed, and he's not as strong. And he uh, is maybe a little bit bitter about that. He's bitter that age is taking its toll on him. But he's, he speaks very important words here. Consider 2 Corinthians 5.10. 2 Corinthians 5.10. We're always going to reflect on the Old Testament with the New Testament because the New Testament kind of gives us a sharper focus of what Solomon's trying to say. It says right here, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Remember, there are different books at the judgment. The only book that matters is the book of life. If your name is in the book of life, you have trusted Christ as your Savior. And if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, then you are eternally secure with him in heaven. If your name is not in the book of life, then everything comes down to what you did on earth. And here's the really tragic news. No matter what good things you did, they were not good enough because you break any of the Ten Commandments, you broke all the Ten Commandments. Any lust, any pride, any jealousy, any anger, any selfishness will push away everything else that you think you did that was good and worthy. Because it says it, no, one, no one pleases God. No one has come to God. No one loves God the way they should. And all are found guilty before him. There's no, there's none good, you know, no, not one. And that's what he's saying right here in 2 Corinthians. He says, hey, we must all appear there. So if we don't appear with Jesus Christ on our side, we are in a lot of trouble. Also consider Romans 12, 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you, you may discern what is the will of God, what is the good and acceptable and perfect will. What is his good, acceptable, perfect will? That you trust Christ as Savior, that you make him known, that you proclaim the message of the gospel to all people in all places, at all times, so that as many can be saved as the Lord would bring to himself. That is his will for our life. We go back up there and he says, oh, you know, just follow your heart. Follow the sight of your eyes. Do whatever makes you happy. I have news for you. If you are in love with Jesus Christ, 
If you love what he has done, how he has changed you, how he has remade you, given you a purpose in life, given you hope beyond the grave, then serving him will make you happy. It is my pleasure to talk to people about the love of Jesus Christ, about pointing out to them how man-made religions only make you guiltier, that there's no, there's no thing that we can do that would take the place of the sacrifice of the Son of God on the cross. You see, that's the whole thing. If there was any way to get to heaven other than the sacrifice of Jesus, he would not have had to go to that cross. Jesus would not have died that horrible death unless it was absolutely necessary to save us all from hell. And that's the truth. And that's what we all have to remember. Jesus died that way because he had to or we wouldn't have any hope. So I think it's pretty amazing that, that Solomon gives this weak advice of, oh, just go and live your life and be happy and, and do all these things. And then, and then, you know, you're going to die. That's a terrible advice. But he was old and he was bitter and he was angry and he had forgotten all of the things he learned when he was younger. All right, guys, that's the end of chapter 11. Chapter 12 is going to start and pick up at exactly this point. It's going to pick up exactly at the point of what you do when you're young affecting what you do when you're old. And I think it's important for us to remember tonight that we do want to have a wonderful life. It is Christmas. It is that celebration of the coming of the Savior. And let's be honest, we all want to have a wonderful life because it is a wonderful life in Jesus Christ. We all want to invest in a generous life, a generous life that impacts others, that shows others the love of Christ, that shines the light in the darkness. And it's, it's so important in this day and age when so many lights have gone out, when there is so much darkness and terror and sadness, that there be hope for people. Hope for them not only in this life, but hope for them in the life to come. I leave you with this challenge for the week. Find somebody that seems ready to hear the truth and just share it with them. Say, you know what? Christmas is coming and I want to give you an early Christmas gift. Here it is. Do you know why I am so happy? Do you know why I am at peace? Do you know why I have this joy in my life? It is because I know that the God of heaven loved me enough to send his only son to die for me on that cross. And then they may accept it, they may not accept it, but at least they will hear it. And at least as they go through this season and they hear these Christmas songs on the radio, they'll start to think for just a moment, what are these songs really about? What are these joyful noises that I hear? What are they really telling me? And if they'll start to listen to the words of the old Christmas songs, they just may figure out what it takes to have a wonderful life. May God bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he give you one person in your life this week that you can help see Jesus. God bless you and have a good one. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in today to listening to our programs. We appreciate your attention. We present this for you as a way of building up God's people, giving you hope in these dark days. 
they are presented to you commercial free we don't solicit money from any companies bible organizations or churches we put it out there because we believe wholeheartedly that the word of god is the only hope this country or any country could have because we present it to you commercial free we do ask you to search your heart if you feel the need to support us in any way it, it could be a, it could be a love offering a gift Send me enough for a cup of coffee. I'd really appreciate it. You can send all support to Richard Stidham, S-T-I-D-H-A-M, Richard Stidham at Box 1321, Baytown, Texas, 77521. And everything you send to us will be used to keep this podcast on the air. Have a great day. God bless. And remember, keep looking up. Our salvation is drawing near.